live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. We will continue to keep you apprised of the debacle going on in the stock market right now. Stocks down six sixteen hundred and twenty-five points. That's a six point two percent drop. Nasdaq down four hundred and sixty-four points. That's a drop of over five percent. That comes on the heels of just a disastrous two weeks uh, today. It's the coronavirus, of course, and also the the fact that. Uh, Oil prices are plummeting because there is a global glut on oil and Russia and Saudi Arabia are um, involved in a sort of a match to see who can produce the most and lower the prices. And so that's happening as well. Again, I, I think this is all a temporary sort of a transitory thing. I think it'll be fine, big picture. But I admit it's kind of frustrating to see this. And um, right now, what's going on is essentially, if you've been invested in the market for years and years, you have all the gains you've had since really about January of 2019. They have now disappeared. But at the same time, chances are, if you go back a few years, you're you're up quite a bit. Now, when when we hit the bottom and when people start buying again, who knows exactly? All right. I sent this out on Twitter the other day. Um, you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Sort of interesting. Tony Evers, the one-term governor of the state of Wisconsin. Apparently, he, he vetoed a bunch of bills. The, the state legislature is, is wrapping up for the year. They sent him a number of bills, and one of the bills that he vetoed would have allowed any business with a Class B gambling license to hold raffles using a paddle wheel. Right, you know, one of those things where you kind of <clears throat> you spin the wheel. All right, so they're entitled to hold raffles, but this would have been a, a raffle with a paddle wheel. All right, Evers vetoes it. So some reporter says, "Well, why did you veto it? Just, just out of curiosity, why why did you you veto this?" And Evers' response was, "I don't know." <laughs> it's like you you don't know why you vetoed it. No, I I I just don't know. We're gonna have to get back to you. Then this, this is my favorite line in the the story about this. Evers staff has repeatedly asked Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Senate President Roger Roth, both Republicans, to coordinate how and when Evers receives bills to sign to avoid situations like last week when he has to act on dozens and dozens of bills over the course of a couple days. In other words, Sleepy Tony can't keep track of the bills that are coming to his desk. So they're saying... Can you give them to him one or two at a time instead of giving him, oh, say, a dozen? I, 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 no offense, 
But if that's really the attitude that the governor can't handle like more than a couple bills at a time, given the fact that, you know, you've got all this legislative work that's done before that, given the fact that bills move through the legislature, you would think it would not be a surprise when things end up on the governor's desk. But he's saying, well, you you can't expect me to handle, you know, more than a couple of bills at the same time. Pretty scary. All right. Let us get started. The dominant story, of course, is coronavirus. We're not going to spend the entire program on it, but it is interesting to see how people are reacting to this. Now, the coronavirus is spreading. I I don't mean to be one of these people that downplays it. Uh, because obviously, if, if you catch it, it, you get sick and it's very, very communicable. At the same time, for the vast majority of people, it's not going to be anything that's fatal. And as a matter of fact, you know, a number of people who've already, you know, who, who got it have already recovered from it. Now, it's different if it ends up in a nursing home or something like that. But, but in general, just like the flu, the viruses that are going around now, you catch it, you're going to be sick for a couple of days, you are going to recover. So, you know, we, we have to keep that all in perspective. Nevertheless, you, you don't want people to get sick. So what's happening is a number of large public gatherings are already starting to cancel. Big tennis tournament coming up in Indian Wells. Um, that's been canceled because of fears of the coronavirus. South by Southwest, which is this giant annual event that they have in Austin, Texas. It, it features music, movies, high tech. People come from all over. Companies sponsor all sorts of booths. On Friday, officials in Austin pulled the plug on South by Southwest. Um, they said that, look, they intend to continue this. It's been going every year since 1987. But as a result of the coronavirus, and we're afraid that some of our major sponsors are going to kind of pull out of this, we have decided to cancel this. Now, of course, you got to keep in mind also, we've got the start of the baseball season that's coming up in a couple weeks. Opening day is two weeks, I believe, from Thursday off the top of my head. You've got the Masters Golf Tournament this week in Florida. You've got the, um, you know, the, the PGA, the, the one of their championship events, the Players' Championship is going to happen. So you've got big sporting events that are going on. You've got, of course, the NCAA basketball tournament that's going to be kicking off in a couple of weeks. These are all going to be places where a large number of people are going to gather, not to mention the fact that, you know, the Bucks have a number of home games coming up. Matter of fact, I'm scheduled to go to one or two games next week at Pfizer Forum. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question for you. All right. Should we be canceling public sporting events or other sort of events based on our fear of the coronavirus. Should we not have the public allowed to go attend the Bucks games anymore? Should we not have the public allowed to go to the Masters Golf Tournament? Should we be canceling conventions? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is the concern real enough, or should it be real enough, that we simply say, large public gatherings, no more? That's what Austin did with South by Southwest. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, if I were scheduled to go on a cruise, 
I would probably be rethinking that if that cruise was scheduled to leave in the next couple weeks. Not so much because I was concerned that I would get sick, but more that I was concerned that, hey, I, I might get stuck somewhere and be kept on a cruise ship in quarantine if it breaks out and, and not be able to get back to work or not be able to get home for a few extra weeks. That would be my bigger concern. If I had trips scheduled to Europe, all right, maybe the same sort of thing. If I was planning to, I don't know, go on a, on a week-long tour of Italy, for example, a bus tour of Italy, and that was supposed to be in the next couple of weeks, I might rethink that while I wait and see what happens. Again, not because of my concern that I might get the virus. I mean, I that's you, you can get the virus anytime, but my concern being, all right, you might get stuck over there in a quarantine sort of situation and not be able to get back into the United States. Having said that, all right, I, I fully intend to go to the Bucks games I've got tickets for next week. No question about it. If I had tickets to the Masters, I would be going to the Masters. Don't have tickets, but I would be doing that. Went to Las Vegas last weekend or weekend before last. Didn't stop me. Went to Florida a couple weeks before that. Didn't stop me there either. All right, should we be canceling major gatherings? Is it that bad? And would you change your plans? If you had tickets for the first round of the NCAA tournament or the NCAA Finals or Opening Day, are you not going to go? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll be there. Let's discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Look, I'm sorry. I'm not giving into the panic. I'm, I'm not downplaying coronavirus and if I was planning to go overseas, like I say, I, I might be rethinking that. If I was planning to go on a cruise in the next couple weeks, I might be rethinking that, not because I'm afraid I might get the virus. I'll get the virus, and chances are I'll recover if that happens. But I'm, I'm more concerned with the fact that I might get put in quarantine and stuck somewhere for a few weeks and not be able to get home. So, I mean, that's a legitimate concern. But are you saying, gee, Jeff, are you afraid to go to the Bucks game next week? Well, no, I'm not afraid to go to the Bucks game. No, I'm not afraid to to go to opening day and no I, I'm not afraid to go to places where other people are I wash my hands I try to when I cough I cough into my elbow all right I, and I'm just not going to give in to this panic Eric in Kenosha Eric you're on WTMJ hi how are you today very well thank you how are you good hey, no, I'm not going to change anything I do either and you know everybody's talking about canceling big events what about canceling rallies for the presidential candidates right what about Are the democrat about what about that? the democratic national convention i mean you know should we i mean that that's coming up in july should you t- you're going to have people coming from all over the world to to attend and to cover that do we do we cancel that my answer would be no <laughs> absolutely not so yeah no thanks for call i appreciate it. i mean i, I just i think you have to have common sense with this 855-616-1620 that's the Accident mortgage talk and text line i, I again I, I think what happens is you have people who you know give into give into just kind of this panic sort of stuff jeff as far as changing plans there's a text uh because of the coronavirus i don't think large events should be canceled i think we should remember that those that are most affected by the virus would be young children and people's immune systems are already challenged like the elderly the vast majority of us will be okay even if we get coronavirus well yeah um should we be aware of the virus and its potential harm i i think yeah yeah but you keep a level head and don't panic common sense goes a long way that's from mike i i agree 
completely with his take on there. Jeff, we have a trip set for Nashville in three days and Savannah for three days in the middle of April. We are definitely not canceling. We are driving, though. Well, that, that's I, – I mean, I, I'm not going to not get on an airplane. Again – you know, you're talking about going to Nashville, you're going to Savannah. Truth is, you're going to be able to get home from there. In You know, that's that's it. Cruise ships, trips to Europe, maybe a kind of different dynamic. And that's the bigger concern for me. Like I said, I have a, um, a, a real good friend. I was talking to her yesterday. She and her husband were scheduled to go on a Caribbean cruise in like two weeks. And, and they're... They're rethinking it, again, not because they're afraid that they're going to get the coronavirus, but they're afraid that they're going to get quarantined on a cruise ship, and they just don't want to, you know, do that. Uh, Jeff, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being high impact, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a 1. Um, um, I'm going to do what I'm normally planning on doing. Um, yes, yes. Jeff, want to bet what the beer of the day at opening day is going to be? It ends, begins with a C and ends with an A. Well, that's one of the silly things that are happening here. You have people say, well, I, it's Corona beer. I'm not going to drink it. Huh. Let's talk to Mark in Florida. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, you got my attention with this. I'm regular caller to your show. I'm in Central Florida, retired now. Yes, sir. Um, Jeff, it's it's the end of the world as we know it, so let's shut down the world economy, okay? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but my girlfriend and I, I'm retired. I worked 40-some years. We're planning an eight-hour boat trip on a boat we just bought down to Key West from yep. Central Florida. Key West is, you probably know, I'm betting you've probably been Key, there. Key West, kind of is, Key, Key West is my happy place, Mark. I was there three weeks ago or so, three or four weeks ago. I love Key West. You it, it's going to be my first time, but uh, people my age group have wanted to go there for decades. So um, it's kind of a crossroads, as you know. And I heard some interesting statistics on a major broadcast. I probably shouldn't mention the name. And they quoted the CDC, Center for Disease Control, directly. Then they quoted the World Health Organization. This is a less virulent form of flu than, like, the bird flu was. Other ones are... We had 46,000 deaths in the United States last year from regular flu. How many have we had worldwide if this is a pandemic? And yet we went about our daily business in the U.S. of A., most parts of the world, when we had 46,000 regular flu deaths last year. So it's not going to scare me. Is it going to scare you? Absolutely not. I mean, again, I, my biggest concern, if I had a trip to Europe, my concern would be you get over there, you can't get back because there's a quarantine or something. But would it stop me from going to Key West, Mark? Heck no. No way. No way. And by the way, you, right. will, you will have a blast. Check out my very favorite restaurant. It's called Blue Heaven. Can't, great. Blue. Blue Heaven. Okay. I'll write it. I'm writing it down right now, Jeff. Blue Heaven, right off of Duval Street. Now, thanks for the call. You it's, it's a very famous restaurant, um, but but no, that that's yeah, that that's exactly it. You know, we 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 went to Key West a couple weeks ago, and we we took a ferry from Fort Myers Beach, three hour ferry down to Key West. Yeah, Blue Heaven restaurant. There's a lot of great ones, but Blue Heaven is the one that we actually have to we go to all the time. But again, I, I mean, the perspective of this is I'm not trying to be stupid about it, and I'm not trying to be you know. Um, irresponsible 
about it. Um, Jeff, uh, the world's largest security show, scheduled for March 17th through the 20th in Vegas, has been postponed. Thousands of rooms are being canceled, so it's a great time to go to Vegas. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we were in Vegas week before last, and, and there were a lot of people that, that were there. And the, the one thing I noticed was a lot fewer Asians than I typically see, um, but but I suspect that that's because of stuff you know going on in China. Look, and I, I mean... The, one of the things, the media reports, and this is, I think, a legitimate complaint about some of the coverage of this. The media reports how many cases of coronavirus there are, but they don't report of those number of people how many have already recovered. And again, I'm, I'm not minimizing this. You, you, you don't want to get it, but I mean, we have the flu every year to our last caller, Mark's point. You know, we have the flu every year and we have people who who don't get the flu shot on on a regular basis and 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 yes maybe this is more contagious than the flu and again if you have a compromised immune system you don't want to get it but i'm i'm not going to change my plans and i think this idea that okay we we can't gather together in public places i mean if you were to close opening day or or have the bucks play in an empty facility or something like that where do you draw the line does that then mean we're going to close down shopping centers mayfair mall is going to close because you might run into somebody who's sick no you just you take the normal precautions do not panic do not give in to fear be smart and we will all get through this welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj Even in the best of circumstances, flying on an airplane is always, from a health perspective, it's always kind of a challenging thing because you're crammed into this big tube for several hours and you got all these other people and they're recirculating the same air. And inevitably, I, I will say, if I think back on the occasions that I have gotten sick, I, I'd say at least, and I'm talking about catching a cold or the flu or something like that, I, I would say, I believe I can trace about three out of every four times to trips that I have taken on an airplane. It, it's just kind of the nature of the business. You know, you're sitting in the plane and there's the kid behind you like two rows that's coughing up a lung. All right, that that doesn't mean, though, as we were talking about in the last segment, that, that I'm not going to travel to different places. It, it, just, it just doesn't. It also, I think, doesn't mean that airlines should now start saying, okay, anybody, anytime anybody's got a, a cold or something like that, we're not going to let you travel. Well, here's the story, and this is what happened. Over the weekend, there was a flight that was leaving. Uh, it's a small, it's, it's Eagle. It's called the Eagle Airport. It's right outside of Vail, all right? And it was a flight on United Airlines from Eagle, so right outside of Vail, Colorado, to Newark, New Jersey. The flight takes off, and what happens is you have a handful of passengers who become unruly on the plane because apparently there's a there's a passenger another passenger doesn't run a fever not running a fever but i think it's a she she's coughing and she's sneezing 
All right. So now, as it turns out, I, she's got allergies. That's that's what it is. But you know, she's she's coughing and she's sneezing. She's got allergies. These three passengers make a huge stink. The plane has taken off. We're not flying on this plane. This person's got coronavirus. Whatever. We don't want to be on a plane where you know you've got people that are coughing and sneezing. And I I have to tell you, I don't think I've been on a plane in the last thirty years where there hasn't been somebody coughing or sneezing. But in any event, they create a ruckus. The ruckus gets so bad that the plane, which is just taken off out of Vail, has to divert, land in the Denver airport, and the three people who were making the big stink, they're, they're made to get off the plane. Now, whether they're forced off the plane or they voluntarily get off the plane, kind of up in the air, but they leave the plane, and the plane continues on with the person who's coughing and sneezing still on the plane. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I guess there's only there's two ways that airlines can handle this moving forward. One is to say that anybody who is showing any signs, symptoms at all of cold or a flu or whatever not be allowed to travel on a plane. But, of course, if you take that position, the planes are probably going to be half empty, maybe two-thirds empty. The other way is to say, hey, look, it's kind of buyer beware. You get on that plane, and you have to realize that you're going to be exposed to all sorts of different people, just like when you land in the Newark airport, for example, and you, you kind of take your own risk. Now, clearly, if the woman had the coronavirus, all right, she should be quarantined and not on the plane. But on the other hand, if she's just got a seasonal flu or a cough or a cold, should the airlines be screening and not allowing people to travel? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I think people should be smart when they travel. But at the same time, I just don't think it is a reasonable expectation to say, hey, you got the sniffles, you got a cold, you've got an allergy, um, you're not feeling great. Sorry, we're not going to let you fly on a plane. I don't think that's reasonable. I think if you're going to fly on a plane, maybe you decide you're going to wear a mask. Maybe you take the hand sanitizer. Maybe you make uh, darn sure you don't touch stuff. I get all that. But I don't think it's the airline's responsibility to essentially play doctor. And for people who have minor situations, I mean, I'm not talking about somebody with 103 fever, but I'm talking about somebody who's got the sniffles or somebody who's sneezing or somebody who's coughing. I don't think it's the airline's business to tell them they cannot fly. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, should the airport have, should the airline, in this case it's United, have tossed the woman who was coughing and sneezing off the plane, that's what at least three other passengers thought should happen. I don't agree, but what do you think? We discuss in just a moment, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, if you're just tuning in, here's the deal. Woman is on a flight from um, outside of Vail, Colorado, to, on United Airlines. She's flying to Newark. Flight leaves yesterday, and you have three. She's apparently. She says she's got seasonal allergies, but she's coughing. She's sneezing. Three people on the plane. Once it takes off, become irate. 
that the woman is on the plane. They demand that she be taken off. They create a disturbance. Ultimately, the disturbance is so bad that the plane has to divert, land in Denver, where the flight crew makes the three people who were complaining get off the plane. It then continues on to Newark. I think the airline handled this absolutely 100% correctly i i don't think i think flighting flying is, is sort of buyer beware to an extent now obviously if the woman was running 102 fever or something like that well you know then then you want to say hey look you probably shouldn't be traveling but at the same time if you have somebody who's i don't know whether it's seasonal allergies or a cold or a little bit of a virus i i think we, we can't really get to a point where we say hey, you're not facing a life-threatening sort of thing. We're not going to let you on the plane. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, uh, let's see. Um, I think um, it's ridiculous. I have seasonal allergies, and if they made a rule like this, I wouldn't be allowed to fly half the year because of, you know, my sniffles. Um, Jeff, sniffles is one thing. Hacking up a lung should be enough to, to kick somebody off. I, well, I don't know. When, when I, I will tell you, this is just kind of the nature personally. When, when I catch a, a chest cold or have a virus, like, like I did a couple weeks ago, I'm over the virus, but I still, I, it's just me. I, I get I get coughs that linger. I am not communicable anymore. But yeah, I mean, you catch me at the wrong time, and you're going to hear the, this cough, and it's probably going to be that way for the next couple weeks. It's just the, the nature of that. And I think you know, there's a lot of people, you know, especially with this respiratory virus that's going along, that are going to be in that same situation. You were sick a couple weeks ago, but you still got that lingering cough. Okay, does that mean that you're not going to be on the airplane? Let's talk to Pat in Fond du Lac. Pat, you're on WT. MJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Pat. Um, I, in my line of work, I end up visiting a lot of different corporate offices around uh, southeastern Wisconsin. And I got to tell you, the majority of those offices do have postings indicated that if you have any type of cold, coughing, fevers, they will not allow you back, allow you to visit the people in the corporate offices. They just tell you to leave and come back when you feel better. Mm-hmm. So if you equate that to the airline, you know, it would work almost the same way. Uh, you know, I, again, the difference between the airlines losing money and a company's not really losing money, they're just preventing it from happening. Now, they're major companies. You know, these are Fortune 500 companies that I'm visiting. So th- that's, the, that's how drastic they're taking this. Well, how, where do you draw the? I mean, where do you draw the line? It during the, the cold and flu season, chances are. A lot of us, maybe all of us, at some point in time over a six or seven or eight months period are, are going to catch a cold. And when I catch a cold, it, it lingers for a couple weeks. That are, are we going to say that, okay, when you have that cold, we're not going to allow you on an airplane? I, I, I think the difference between the two, Jeff, is that there's a vaccine out for the flu. This is so uncertain and people are so afraid of this that they don't know if they get it what's going to happen and i think that the fear is there even to the point where like you've seen these corporate offices are saying we don't want you to come in and infect our people sure so i mean it's it's up there and i think that it's okay but i guess but 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 how do we but how do we 
how do we draw the line? In this particular case, the lady didn't have the coronavirus. She didn't even have the flu. She She's an allergy sufferer. So she's, she's sneezing and coughing because of her allergies. And that's going to be something that probably she, she's going to have for, for months. I have a very, very dear friend who has really, really bad allergies. And especially during certain times of the year, it, it's, it's, it's difficult for him to be outside without sneezing and coughing. Do we say that, okay, during allergy season or when your allergies are acting up, you can't get on a plane? No, I, I disagree with it. And I know this is the catch-22. I mean, it, yeah. how can you do on one hand say this and on the other hand say that? You know, it, it's kind of like you said, buyer beware. It, it's just, I think it's the uncertainty and not really getting the information that you need. Yeah. And, you know, you, you hear just so many conflicting stories between the two. This is really going to be bad for you. Oh, it's under control. Not under control. You know, it doesn't make a difference where you listen to. We don't have enough information on this, and I think that's where all the panic is. Yeah, well, and and I think that's and, and look, and I think that's fair. I'm I'm not suggest if you have somebody. I don't know who who's just come back from China and starts exhibiting all those traits that are consistent with coronavirus, and they decide to get on an airplane, well, okay, that, that's that's a whole different story, and I understand that. But at the same time, you know, somebody who's got a cough or somebody who's sneezing or somebody who's got the runny eyes, all, all I'm saying is I don't think that we can automatically assume that that's the person that should, they, they've obviously got to be really sick, and, and we've got to toss them out because, I mean, my question really does become if that's going to be the standard, what 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 do we do? I mean, here's an interesting text, Jeff. I've taught at large university at a large university. I've taught large university classes for over 25 years. I assure you every year exam week features at least 30 percent of the kids coughing, sneezing and wheezing. There, there's just no way to avoid it, which I guess is, is sort of the larger point that, that I have, that, you know, it's just, okay, it's it's the cold, it's the flu season, it's what happens in Wisconsin, it's what happens in Michigan, it what ha- it's what happens in the North when, you know, you, you have this kind of roll around. People people end up getting sick, and I think this idea that we're going to now assume that, that everybody who's got a cough or everybody who's sneezing, they're, I don't know, carrying the coronavirus or something, I, I just think that that's an unreasonable sort of thing to do. Now, I think if you've got somebody who in the scenario is coughing or sneezing, I, I think, you know, people, I think the airline, for example, if it's really bad, would have every right to go and say, you know, here's, you know, we, we want you to put on a mask or something like that. Now, the, again, the, the mask, how effective that's going to be, I, I don't know. Or if there's somebody who's really upset about that, you know, maybe you can try to switch seats or something. I'm just don't saying that, I'm saying you can't deny you can't go to somebody and say, hey, your, your eyes are running and I just caught you coughing into your elbow. That means you can't be on an airplane because I have to tell you that means that three quarters of the airplanes would be empty. Let's talk to Chris in New Berlin. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. The, uh, at what point do we stop, do we start screening people for every absolute thing they could be carrying? Do we, if you have the regular flu, which has killed how many more people worldwide than yeah. coronavirus, when do we start screening you for that? When do we start screening you for measles or other stuff that could be communicable to everybody else? The gentleman who said we don't have enough information, the information is out there. It's the, it's the media that is spreading absolute 
paranoia and fear among everybody that's freaking people out. Well, well, yeah, because I mean, right? That, that that you have you raise a very good point. Okay, what what is going to be the standard now? Before you can get on airplanes, do you have to? I don't know. Go, go to the urgent care a day beforehand and have blood tests done and and be tested for right. influential A or, or B. I mean, no. And I think you know you want to encourage people to get smart. And obviously, if there's somebody sitting in that waiting area that looks. Like they're, they're running 102 fever and are coughing or hacking stuff up. Well, then I, I think the airline has every right to kind of go in and say, all right, what's going on here? And we don't want to endanger you or the other page, passengers. But at the same time, just because just I'm sitting behind you and I'm coughing into my elbow a little bit doesn't mean that I'm going to infect you and doesn't mean I shouldn't be able to fly. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's the common sense approach of, are you sick? And if you truly are sick, don't right. get out in public and affect other people. It's just common courtesy. Right. Be smart with hand and, and cough hygiene. Right. You, you know, if you're sick, don't go see grandma. Right. <laughs> you know, I, no, I'm, no I, exactly. I, I'm with you. And it's kind of like like our company. They're very aggressive about this. They're saying, look, if you're... If you're sick, if you're communicable, stay home. They, 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 we give you an X number of sick days. You know, stay home. Don't come in and don't infect other people. And, and that that's fine. But again, there, there's always this this common. There, there's this sort of balancing thing. Like I say, I still have a little bit of a cough. It is a lingering thing from you know respiratory thing I had a couple weeks ago. I'm not communicable. All right. It's just a little bit of an annoyance. But at the same time, you sit there and you say, okay, well, I know my colds and my viruses. They last several weeks. I mean, I, I can't shut down for you know six weeks while it runs its course you just have to be careful about it um ray in heartland you're on wtmj roy in heartland hi roy hey uh, hartford i'm sorry I, you know i just roy it's roy right yeah just flew back a week ago flew back from florida yeah uh to, to go to my granddaughter's um, regional basketball plane was packed the, the basketball court was packed they won i'm going to state on saturday I'm not going to miss out on these life events uh, because of a low-risk, uh, yeah. you know, fire risk. Yeah. I'm just not going to do that. I mean, I'm and I'm probably an age group that you know the most vulnerable age group, but still, you know, I didn't see anybody wearing a mask on the plane. I didn't see anybody wearing a mask. Very few in the airport. Right. And the places are packed, and we're heading back. Uh, and uh, you know, I you got to me, you have to live life. I think this. Media is getting everybody so scared to go out and right. do anything. Yeah, exactly. We, uh, and you, you hope that people are going to be responsible. And like I say, if there's somebody that's, you know, just just been diagnosed with the coronavirus, yes, they, they should be quarantined. But during the cold and flu season, we can't say to everybody who's got an allergy or a cold, here, you, you, you have to... You have to stay home for two weeks while it runs its course. That's just not reasonable. We all have to wash our hands and, you know, take cough precautions and things like that, and we'll be fine. We'll, we will get through this. What a shame it would be if they would cancel the girls' state basketball tournament. Our grand, you know, get, yeah. you know, they play all year, and all of a sudden now they're going to call. They're not doing that, but if somebody would say, "Well, we're afraid of this, and we're going to cancel the, the, the girls' basketball tournaments yeah. and stuff like that," and boys, I, to me, it's just you know, we've gone through different life cycles of different flus and different other things, and yeah. you know, on and on and on, and we've survived them all. And um, yeah. I just think that the media needs to pull back a little bit and say, "Hey, this is not." Uh, you know, it's not you know, the bluebonic plague. It's not. Right, thanks no. for calling. No, it, it's not. It's not the plague. And again, I'm, I, I'm not 
I'm not downplaying this. Look, I, I understand that this it's a virus. Most people who get it, you're, you're going to get sick. I'm the guy who argues for the flu vaccine. Okay, I'm the one who says that everybody should get flu shots. And yet what, what we know, only about four out of 10 people get flu shots. So, I mean, I... I, I mean, look, I, I, people take their chances with ending up getting sick and things like that. And this is communicable. You, you want, to, you hope that it's going to like run its course, or you hope they're going to find a vaccine or, or whatever. But at the same time, we, we can't stop living our life because somebody, you know, an, an otherwise healthy thirty-five-year-old might come down with a respiratory thing that makes them feel like crap for a couple days. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, there's no way around it. This is getting bloody. This might be one of the worst days in Wall Street that I, I can remember. Uh, the Dow down is down over 2,000 points. Of course, this comes on the heels of two weeks of relentless losses. Um, Dow down to 23,800. So any money that you might have made pretty much over the last two years, pretty much all gone. Um, that is a 7.91% drop. NASDAQ, not much better. That's down 584, which is a 6.8% drop. It, it's this panic about the coronavirus, and I do use the word panic, coupled with you know what's going on in the oil market where you have Saudi Arabia and Russia who are not cutting back on production, which you, you would think on the one hand, from a consumer perspective, that's a good thing. More oil that's out there, that means lower prices, but uh, that's having an effect on oil companies nationally and internationally and like fracking businesses and things like that. But th- this, again, this this too shall pass. But if you, uh, I, I understand it's it's kind of traumatic to look at this over the last couple of weeks, which is why you want to have a diversified portfolio. And my, my only feel better advice would be, you know, d- don't look at where you were last month. L- look at where you were two years ago. And my guess is you're going to say, well, I, I've still made a, a bunch of money. That That's it. At the same time, if you can't take these swings, um, you should be talking to your financial advisor and saying, I, I want more conservative investments. All right. The convention center. Now, the, the, the downtown convention center, it's part of the Wisconsin Center District, which runs the, I, I call it the Milwaukee Arena, uh, Auditorium. But it's it's now what do they call it the market the Milwaukee Theater, and then you've got the Milwaukee Arena, which is now the UWM Panther Arena, and then you've got the the Convention Center. The Convention Center's been there um, since 1998, and the the argument is that it it's too small when you compare it to similar to other convention venues in other cities. And so as a result, it, we, it needs to be bigger for us to be able to compete with particularly other cities in the Midwest. Now, we're, we're never going to compete with Las Vegas. We're never going to compete with Orlando. We're never going to compete with, you know, Chicago for some of the largest conventions. But the idea is we need more space. All, all right, now, you, you can argue whether – that makes sense or not. But but here's the deal. When the initial plans to expand the convention center, to take it from like 180,000 square feet to about 300,000, when, when the plans were drawn up and signed off on in 2017, the estimate was it's going to cost – Two hundred and twenty five to two hundred seventy five million dollars. 
Now, you, you can argue, how can you be have a $50 million range? But I, that's not my point. 225 to $275 million. Okay, that, that's fine. The state of Wisconsin stepped up, and the state of Wisconsin said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to guarantee up to $300 million. We, we will guarantee this. So in other words, if the convention center, the district, goes ahead and, and does its bonding and whatever, and they can't pay it back, we, the taxpayers of the state of Wisconsin, because Milwaukee is important and we want to have a bigger facility, we will we'll cover it up to $300 million. And the thinking was that that's going to be plenty enough because the estimates are 225 to $275 million. City of Milwaukee signed off on that. The Common Council said, yeah, okay, this is, this is great. You know, we'll, even though the city of Milwaukee isn't going to be directly liable for this, they said, okay, we're going to sign off. We're going to support this. You know, $300 million, that's our max. Well, that's all well and good, except about a month and a half ago, the folks that are looking at this expansion came out and said, you know, you know that that number that we gave you two years ago, that the two hundred and twenty-five to two hundred and seventy-five million dollars, and you know that three hundred million dollar number that the state threw around. Well, never mind, because we now think it is possible that the cost of building this addition to the convention center is now going to cost. Wait for it, four hundred and twenty-five million dollars. In other words. Somewhere between 200 to $150 million more than the estimates that they were giving two and a half years ago. So the, the cost has gone up dramatically to the point that the Milwaukee Common Council is now considering rescinding their support of the project. I mean, the, the idea is, hey, so wait a second here. I mean, th- this... This, this whole idea, you know, we signed on to this thinking it was going to be 225 to 275 million dollars. Now they're, they're throwing around numbers of 425 million and members of the Common Council are, are balking at this. They're saying, what, what is going on here? This might be one of the greatest upsells in the history of the state of Wisconsin. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here, here's the deal. Before there is any commitment at all uh, of any any taxpayer money, I think you've got to get a much better handle on what the costs are going to be. And this idea that you can see an estimate go from $275 million a couple years ago to now, well, we don't think it'll cost more than 425 to me should be sending up all sorts of red flags. Think about if you were building a home. All right, now we're not talking about millions. You go to your architect, you go to the construction firm, and they say, okay, you tell them the house you want, they give you the plans, you look at the plans, you say, great, this is great. And they say, okay, all in, all done, we think we can do it for $225,000, but you know, it, it, it might cost more, it might go up to 275000 and so you sign off on that. And then they come back later and said, um, well, Mr. Wagner, we're sorry, but you know you know those estimates that we gave you and those plans that we gave you, well, it's going to be a bit more. And you say, well, okay, well, well how much more? You told me 225000 to 275000 And they say 425000 
if you as the homeowner are told that, you're screaming bloody murder and you're probably, number one, you know, putting a hold on on that project because, hey, what what was I sold? What did I agree to? And what are you trying to stick me with now? But of course, we're we're not talking about the difference between you know one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars. We're talking about the difference between one hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollars for, I don't know, a convention center that may or may not generate. More conventions. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I guess I don't even want to debate necessarily whether it's a waste of money to expand the convention center. All right, I, I think that that's fine. We've made that decision. But this idea that you make this decision and say, okay, we're going to do this for 225 or $275 million, and now, never mind, the estimates have skyrocketed to $425 million. I think that there's all sorts of people, starting with the mayor, starting with the Wisconsin Center Board, starting with the politicians on the Wisconsin Center Board, and the city, who should be putting the brakes on this thing until you get some reasonable idea of what the cost is really going to be, because how can you trust the people who said, hey, 225 to 275, now it won't be more than 425 million? Well, how can you believe a single estimate that they have come up with? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I've always kind of thought convention center expansion was going to turn out to be a, somewhat of a white elephant, but 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 okay, the decision was made to do it. But the decision was made to do it at a certain dollar amount, not the dollar amount they're talking about now. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, construction prices are a lot higher. It's hard to bid a project six months in advance. Construction prices are higher. Okay. The, the estimate was 225 to 275 million. Now they want 425 million. Okay. All right. Yes, construction prices have gone up a little bit. We're talking about in almost, almost double what the estimate was, to at least the low end of the estimate. And I, I guess I'm, I'm sorry, if you're that far off on your bidding or your estimating that, you know, it's going to be almost double what we charge you, well, then then maybe they should be looking at some other place to, to do the work. I'm sorry, I think it's price gouging, number one. But number two, that that's fine. It really then calls into question the whole notion of whether it's worth it or not because, again, maybe you're thinking of building a new house. And you say, all right, for $250,000, it's worth doing. I'll, I'll do it. But then when they tell you, well, never mind, we want it to be $425 million, And who knows if that's what the real number is. At that point in time, you say, hey, th- this is probably just not worth it. Sam texts Jeff. Milwaukee got their train to nowhere. I mean, isn't that enough already? Um, you know, all right, well. Maybe that's the issue here. And again, a couple of people are saying, well, labor and materials are much higher than two years ago. All right, well, then maybe that means that we, we shouldn't do this. Because if the idea is, well, what's what's $200 million between friends or between the taxpayers, that, that's a whole different question. 
and something that might have made sense, and I say might have made sense, at $250 million, I think you can make a strong argument, makes no sense at all at $425 million. So maybe it's just a window of opportunity that's closed. Maybe, hey, you know, we, we should have started the building in 2017 if that's really a justification for almost doubling in cost, which I find hard to believe. But all right, if that's the justification, you didn't do it, well, maybe now the analysis is we got to put the brakes on this thing because it might have made sense at $225 million, but it makes no sense at $425 million or more, especially if ultimately the taxpayers of a district are going to be responsible for the overages. 300000 I get. 425000 no way. All right. I told you about this in the last hour. Let's do the giveaway. Attention, Marquette fans. From the sidelines to life off the court, the all-new production, McGuire by Dick Enberg, shares the stories of the man adored by so many at Marquette and beyond. All right. I have, and I'm going to be doing this each day this week, I have a pair of tickets to give away to see... McGuire by Dick Enberg. It's playing at the Northern Lights Theater at the Potawatomi Hotel and Casino. Go to PaysBig.com for more information. The performance, it stars Anthony Cravello. It's April 1st through the 4th and the 7th and 8th. I've got a pair of tickets to give away. Let's give them to caller number 14. Caller 14 at 855-616-1620. Let's see, I can at mortgage talk and text line. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, we have our winner for the McGuire tickets for today. Keep listening. Every day this week, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to see the uh, McGuire by Enberg performance. I saw it once a number of years ago. It's absolutely outstanding. And this comes from the perspective of somebody who grew up, you know, as a Marquette basketball fan and a a big fan of Al McGuire. And we're definitely, uh, Fran and I are definitely going to seeing the show this time when it's at Potawatomi. So check that out. We will have tickets to give away um, all each day this week and kind of takes you back to the Milwaukee, to the glory days of Marquette basketball that does not does not look like it's going to be repeated this year. The uh, if you haven't seen it for the second year in a row, complete and total collapse by the Marquette men's basketball team. You know, good start to the year, good middle of the year, and then just like last year, they, they've fallen apart. They've lost like five out of their last six games or six out of the last seven. It's just they they might they might still make the NCAA tournament, but if they do. They're just like the last couple times they made the tournament. They're probably just going to get drubbed. It's just, I don't know. It's not a very good team this year. And I guess the question becomes, is it the coach's inability to recruit or is it bad coaching or is it just, you know, not good enough players or any combination thereof? But, um, you, you can go see McGuire by Enberg and it can take you back to kind of the glory days of Marquette men's basketball. All right. Tomorrow is the Michigan primary. It's been very interesting. Because three weeks ago, people were writing Joe Biden off for, for dead. That the campaign was just going to be history. And then, of course, after the win in South Carolina that then propelled him with momentum and the big wins in, what, about 10 states on Super Tuesday, you know, Joe Biden now becomes the leading candidate for the Democratic nomination for president. Um, matter, matter of fact, many people are looking at Michigan 
as being kind of Bernie Sanders' firewall, the, the idea that, you know, this is the place that Bernie Sanders is going to have to win because there's a couple other states that he's probably not going to do very well in. He's not going to do well in Mississippi, for example. So, you know, Bernie Sanders is, you know, campaigning, you know, trying to win in Michigan, put a lot of effort into Michigan, because if he doesn't beat Biden in Michigan, I think a lot of the conventional thinking is that, you know, Bernie Sanders just isn't going to be able to overcome the delegate difference. Problem is that um, if you believe polls, and I understand that some people are skeptical about polls, and just like in 2016, you had polls that did not accurately gauge the support and the level of support for Donald Trump. Um, a lot of polls didn't pick up as much support as there is for Bernie Sanders. So I, I say that, um, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But there's two new polls that are out, and, and both of them show Joe Biden beating Bernie Sanders like a drum. One shows him with a 24-point lead. That's the new Detroit Free Press poll. There, there's a Monmouth University poll that has the lead around 10 points or something like that. But, but again... Um, it might be underreporting Bernie's strength, but it does appear that the Bernie Sanders for president movement has kind of peaked. And the question is going to be if if he fails in Michigan, if he fails in Mississippi, if this continues, how long does Bernie continue trying to play the spoiler? And does he finally recognize that maybe America in 2020 isn't ready for his peculiar brand of socialism? We'll see. But at least right now, the polls are showing Joe Biden way ahead in Michigan, whether he meets expectations tomorrow. Well, we'll know by tomorrow evening. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Is bigger always better? Now, I'm talking about not homes, not convention centers. I, I'm talking about cars. There's an interesting story in USA Today the other day. Um, parking vehicles is becoming more and more difficult because if you have driven through a parking garage recently, what you have probably noticed is more and more vehicles, particularly the, the trucks um, or SUVs, They've grown dramatically in size. Uh, the Chevy Suburbans, the Ford Expeditions, they're a lot bigger than they were a few years ago. And by bigger, I mean longer. Pickups like uh, the, the Ram, Chrysler Ram, grown dramatically in size. Um, the Ford F-150. All right, if you drive an F-150, there's a chance that it might not even fit in your garage, much less public parking spaces. Now, I bring this up because as somebody who, who drives an SUV, but it, it's a normal size SUV, what I find happening a whole bunch of times is you pull in, you park in your parking space, you know, and it's an angled parking space or whatever. And then all of a sudden you find yourself parked in on either the left or the right by somebody who's driving one of these giant really long cars that doesn't doesn't really fit in the angle parking space. So what it means is 
you have no way of actually being able to see around it. So if you're trying to pull out, you've got to pull out extremely slowly because you're, you're trying to look and that the car that's parked next to you, it just goes on and on forever. And you're trying to pull out, making sure you don't get hit by some car that's coming down the other way. This is something that it's actually created a number of issues because there's a number of people who own these longer cars and they're, they're, they're starting to complain because, hey, they, they have trouble parking in parking garages. They have trouble parking and navigating into these different parking spaces that are really too small for the length of the vehicles. The flip side is there's lots and lots of auto drivers who are sitting there saying, hey, look, th- th- these things are a safety hazard. They're so long, they don't fit into the particular parking space. And so as a result, when you're trying to pull out, it's very difficult to do that because, you know, you don't want to get hit as you're trying to back out, but you can't see around these things because they don't fit in the parking spaces. They're too big for it. As a result, what's happening is a number of these parking garages are looking at charging additional fees for parking the the oversized vehicles. Um, The parking spaces aren't big enough. The parking garages aren't big enough to deal with the cars who are coming in and out. And a lot of these public parking places are saying, look, one of the things that we're going to start doing is we're going to start having to have particular sections that are going to be devoted to these super long vehicles, and we're going to have to start charging extra for that. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I understand you know, wanting to drive the, the massive pickup truck, I guess that that's not for me. I understand, you know, wanting to have the, the massive SUV, SUV, even though that that's not for me. But I do think it is a valid and real concern that these things just, the way they are configured, and as they get bigger and bigger, they do not fit in the conventional parking spaces, which means, you know, one of two things has to happen. Either... They have to enlarge the parking spaces or they have to say, okay, we're going to have designated parking areas because it's tough for normal sized vehicles to interact with these giants. I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to buy a a pickup truck as long as it wants, as they want. I'm just saying that, you know, when you park that pickup truck and you try to park it in a space where you're going to be dealing with cars and smaller SUVs and things like that, it creates a hazard. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story in USA Today about this. Have you noticed that in parking garages, having to deal with the cars that are longer and larger, whether it's the SUVs or the pickup trucks, that are longer and larger than ever before? And is it an ongoing problem? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, that's why you should back into a parking space so you can drive out of the parking space. It's much safer. Well, okay, good, good luck with some of, look, good, good luck with some of that angle parking. Matter of fact, some of the angle parking, it's impossible to back into. Have you noticed this? Is it a concern? And is it something that parking garage operators need to deal with moving forward? My answer would be yes, because as these vehicles get longer and longer, I think it creates 
larger safety issues that you can't see around them if you're driving a normal size vehicle. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Drew is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Chris in Cedarburg. Chris, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Real well, um, thanks. We, I have an SUV, and I use this for hauling animal feed and that type of, you know, large items. Um, but I try to park out further from, you know, wherever I'm shopping because they are kind of like an albatross. And you do run out of room, and when people are opening up doors or trying to put a kid in a car seat, there just isn't enough room. Right. So if they have to charge extra at parking garages or, you know, maybe park out further, it just it just makes it a lot easier and a lot less car dings and you know chip paint on your vehicle. Do you, you know? have do you have a, one of the big complaints that a lot of people have about the really large vehicles is even even trying to navigate them in parking garages or some of these areas where you have what I'm going to call like the normal size parking spaces just even trying to navigate around some of those areas really becomes a challenge. Oh, absolutely. And then you know if you put a hitch on the back of of that and then, or one of those those things that care you know carries coolers. You, there is no room. Yeah. To to maneuver or back. Or. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for well. I mean, see, and that's kind of that that sort of thing. Now, somebody texts, "Oh, if you know how to drive, it's no problem." Well, no, it, that that's that's absurd because if you if you're parking in some of these parking garages and I'll give it from the other perspective the perspective let's say you're just driving a normal what I'm going to call the normal size vehicle and suddenly you find yourself like parked in by two of the really large vehicles you know you try to back up you try to get out of that space and you just you have no visibility and so you got to inch back and inch back and inch back and you have to especially if you don't have those rear view things that you know that that beep if there's a car coming you just have to inch out and pull out slowly and hope that there's not a car coming the other way because you can't see around the back of the vehicle. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to buy those. I am saying that I think that this is one of the new problems because the the parking garages and a lot of the parking structures we have now and parking lots in general, they weren't built to accommodate vehicles that are this long. And something's got to give before there's more and more collisions. Let's talk to Ian in Wauwatosa. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Uh, good morning, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I have a good perspective on this. I, I commuted to Chicago for three years uh, from uh, Milwaukee to, to, to downtown Chicago to the Loop. And I, the issues down there, I'm starting to slowly see start to happen up here. We're parking at a premium. Uh, you know, if your car was beyond a certain length, uh, you could not park your vehicle in uh, in some of the parking structures in the downtown area. You had to find a different location or, uh, you know, some of them, they gave certain premiums to compact cars. Right. And which is why I, I, I actually uh, traded in my car on my first year of commuting. I'm like, it wasn't making good gas mileage, but I also wanted the compact privileges because, when you had a compact car, you could park on the first or second level of the structure. You didn't have to go up to level 13 or 14. Right. And, you know, I'm start, and now me working downtown Milwaukee, I sometimes have to park in the underground structure at the Milwaukee Public Museum. Right. And those stalls were built for vehicles maybe 20, 30 years yep. ago. Even though they, they, they redo it, uh, 
my car can fit in without an issue, but I'm seeing other cars that, you know, through no fault of their own, they're just parking on the line because they're just so big. Right. And it's just, they're blocking me in, they're blocking the contacts in. Uh, and it's not the fault of the the parking lot because they were built with cars at a much smaller right. amount or a much smaller length. And I think that if a person that has a bigger car, obviously, I'm not going to dictate to somebody whether or not you should have a big car or a little car. But for safety purposes, I think that a private company or the, or the government should be able to say, Okay, we're going to have to do this so that we eliminate these vendor vendors. Yeah, and I think, I mean, thank you know, it's interesting because, I mean, you know, the, the garage that I think in Milwaukee that certainly comes to mind is the MacArthur Square parking lot and i think you're talking you're talking about maybe you're talking about that or maybe you're talking about the i don't know if the museum has this separate space but certainly you know macarthur square was built years and years and years and years and years ago and it's really not designed for like the long pickup trucks or the giant suvs it's really not designed for that and it's narrow and like lots of tight turns and it's hard to get out and it's dangerous my guess is there's a lot of fender benders which are based on the inability of people to see around these different types of things and that i think is one of the um you know factors that ends up um, going on. Jeff, the cameras on the new trucks, especially the F-Series 4 trucks, are amazing. If your truck has these features, it makes it easy to park for anyone to park and navigate in structures. Well, that, that's good. And again, my perspective on this, though, is it's trying to see around those vehicles, which are really, they're too big for the spaces as the spaces are designed, which tells me that, that something's got to give, which is either a designated area for the larger vehicles or, and I'm not going to argue that they, they should be banned. I mean, if they fit, they, they fit, that's fine. But I think the answer is a designated area for that so that, again, you can back out of these spaces without having to take your life in your own hands. Just saying. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Yeah, I'm getting a number of texts about uh, brown deer. Just, I, I'm not. I don't know. It'd be fair to say that brown deer is the worst managed local community outside in Milwaukee County, but but it's definitely one of the top two or three. And this was something so completely predictable. You have this big employer, and you say, hey, we, we want to take six acres of your property that you're planning to use for expansion, and we, 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 we want to put up a, a garage, a public municipal parking garage that we really don't need. And on top of that, you know, th- there's all sorts of other places in the village that, that we could take where the owners would love to have us come in and install this. But we're going to take this. And then, of course, you, you do. And then what does the business respond by saying, okay, well, if this is how you treat us, we're going to take our 300 employees and we're going to leave Brown Deer. So, you know, all the businesses that those employees patronize for, you know, lunch and for dinner and all the shopping they do, okay, sorry, you, you've just now lost that. Good thinking Brown Deer. Okay. It's been interesting to me to watch the way the Democratic nomination for president has played out. At the beginning of the process, months ago, we were told about how this is this incredibly diverse field. And, you know, you've got all the, these women and you've got, you know, you've got the first openly gay candidate who's running. And then you've got 
you know, other people from different ethnicities. Oh, look at this diversity. And then at the end of the day, now less than halfway through the process, what have you got? You've got two really old white guys who are who are left. And with the departure of Elizabeth Warren late last week from from the race, the last female candidate has now dropped out of, of the race. And this has a lot of people are navel gazing and soul searching about, oh, what what went wrong? And isn't this terrible? And and, you know, what? How 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 did this happen? And that, you know, people like Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or Amy Klobuchar or um uh, the the senator from New York, Gillibrand, or or some of the other people were up there. How how is it that none of them could get traction? And does that show that America is still that this sexist place? Now, in my view, especially when it comes to somebody like Elizabeth Warren, it, it really just shows that it's not that there's not support for a woman. It's just that she, just like Hillary Clinton, wasn't wasn't the right woman. But again, there's all this hand wringing that now there's only the two old white guys that are left. Stories over the weekend, starting with the New York Times, Washington Post, and elsewhere, now talking about how important and how crucial it is for whoever the Democrat nominee is, whether or not it's it's Joe Biden, in all likelihood, or Bernie Sanders. The argument is, if you are going to not betray the electorate, your choice of vice president has to be a woman. Maybe Elizabeth Warren, maybe Amy Klobuchar, maybe Kamala Harris, you know, who, who knows? And I would say that, at least in the case of Joe Biden, it appears that the, the two, at least I think two of the, the people that are going to get a ton of consideration would be female. They both endorsed him, and that would be Amy Klobuchar, and that would be um, Kamala Harris from uh, from California, Klobuchar, of course, from Minnesota. But but the groundswell and the tone of all these articles is there's got to be a female who is on the ticket running for vice president. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does the choice of a vice presidential candidate really matter? And that is to say, you know, are people going to be more likely to vote for either Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, if they have a female, whoever that female would be on on the ticket. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I answer this question because, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's really not going to make any difference. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you vote for the top of the ticket. And I think, you know, this particular election is going to be, all right, it, do, do people support President Trump? And if you voted for President Trump before, you're going to vote for him again. Would you vote for Joe Biden as a reasonable alternative to President Trump? Would you, if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, do you want to remake America in the socialist view that Bernie Sanders has? That's what I think the election is all about. And I guess I'm reading all these stories. And I, I mean, I, I take no position as to who... You know, w- whether or not Amy Klobuchar would make a great vice presidential candidate or Kamala Harris would make a vi- great vice presidential candidate. I just think at the end of the day, the selection that you have for vice president really doesn't matter. I mean, did anybody vote for or against Donald Trump because Mike Pence was going to be the vice president? My, my answer would be no. Did anybody vote for 
Richard Nixon or against Richard Nixon because Spiro Agnew, I just got done reading a book on Spiro Agnew, because he was the vice president. Do vice presidents matter? And does it really matter whether Biden or Sanders picks a woman? And my answer would be not really. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How important is it this year in what was supposed to be the year of the woman, where that really hasn't materialized, at least for the presidential candidates, how important is it to have a woman as the vice presidential nominee? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, of course, I, I offer this perspective as a guy who thinks that I seriously think that the first female president, there is going to be a female president in my lifetime. I actually think it's going to be a Republican, and her name is Nikki Haley. All right, how important is it that either Biden or Sanders selects a female as his running mate? Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All guys on the line right now. I'd be particularly interested in some female perspective on this. A lot of pressure on Biden or Sanders to select a woman to be the running mate. If this is going to be the year of the woman, well, a lot of people in the Democratic Party are saying you, you've got to have a female running mate. My, my point is I, I don't really think it matters much one way or the other, which isn't to say that Joe Biden might not reach out and determine that Amy Klobuchar, for example, is, for a variety of reasons, is the best person to make as his running mate. I could easily see that happening, but I I don't think that's going to decide the election where the other. I don't think people choose the, the vice president. I don't think somebody's going to say, hey, I'm inclined to vote for Donald Trump, but I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump because Joe Biden has Kamala Harris as his vice presidential candidate. Am I missing something? Dean in Illinois. Dean, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Well, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I, you go back, you look at any elections prior to this, I don't think anybody voted the way they voted based on the... Um, the nominee for vice president. Now, I should I should backtrack. I'm sure you have a very small percent, but as a whole, I think people look at how am I doing? Uh, am I making more money? Do I have a job? Does um, my family um, are, are they living a right. good uh, quality of life? That's what it boils down to in the end. Um, I, I I agree with you. I just I just don't see how that impacts the election. Right, I, I don't. I mean, right, I mean, and I, I think you know, in some respects, see, in some respects, I, I think that that kind of attitude is really. I think it's sort of disappointing, and, and to an extent, I, I think it. I think it's sort of sexist in a way. Oh, I mean, okay, John McCain. All right, there's, there's going to be more people that are going to vote for John McCain because he selected Sarah Palin. Okay, because she's female. Now, I mean, I, I, you're going to vote for John McCain because you think he's a good president. Now, now don't get me wrong. I, I think this year, in particular, when you look at at the ages of the people who are running. I mean, Sanders is. What he's going to be seventy nine, I think, when he he's going to be he's going to be seventy nine this summer. Joe Biden's going to be seventy eight by election day. You know, Donald Trump's going to be seventy four. I mean, when you're looking at the ages, I I think a vice presidential candidate does does matter. But to me, it's more like age and experience as opposed to necessarily the, the gender. I mean, I just don't think a lot of people are going to 
vote because of of that. So, you know, would you perhaps care about the vice presidential candidate because you're thinking, hey, you know, Bernie's got a bad heart and, you know, I, I need I got to figure out who's going to be that heartbeat away. That that might be a factor, but I don't know that that's something that motivates you to say we need to have a a female. All right, let's go to the text. Lots of text on this. Jeff, I didn't vote for John McCain when he selected the incompetent Sarah Palin as running mate. Uh, I then voted for Romney four years later. Of course, Paul Ryan was uh, Romney's vice presidential candidate, so they they do matter. Well. I think they matter, but I don't know that I think they matter that they're a voting issue. And I guess I'm not sure that I, – I mean, the bottom line is I don't think choosing Sarah Palin cost uh, John McCain the, the election because at the end of the day, I think people decided that they were going to vote for – Barack Obama, and, and that was the factor. Jeff, just pick the most qualified candidate. It shouldn't matter what gender they are. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Uh, Jeff, I let's see, this kind of conversation drives me nuts. I don't care if it's race, gender, sexual preference. Pick the best, most qualified person. To answer your question, though, unfortunately, many people would be swayed by having um, a woman as the running mate, at least when it comes to choosing between in-party candidates, same-party candidates. I, you know, maybe. I, I mean, th- does Bernie Sanders maybe get a bump if he comes out and says, hey, if I'm the nominee, I'm going to select Elizabeth Warren to be my running mate, if Elizabeth Warren would agree to be the running mate, which is a whole other issue. I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you vote for the top of the ticket, and then you make your decision, which, again, isn't me arguing that there shouldn't be a woman on the ticket. I'm just saying this idea that there has to be a woman on the ticket or there's going to be all this outrage. I, I don't I don't see that at all. Is it likely that there's a woman on a ticket? Probably, because I think there's some really, really qualified women out there who prove themselves during the campaign. And particularly if Joe Biden gets the nomination, don't be surprised to see him tap one of those. And don't be surprised as tap one of those as the vice presidential candidate. And don't be surprised if it ends up being Amy Klobuchar, who's already, I think, giving hints that maybe there's been a conversation about that. This is Jeff Wagner.